Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the right time of Wave Sports and Entertainment Original. My name is Bomani Jones. This show is presented by Prize Picks. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. We got a lot to talk about here. We got uh, the NFL. We'll get into that. We also got old Jimbo Fisher living what you think is the dream and your stories about why you quit football. Uh, But first, you know, sometimes it's just kind of a function of the job that we do here. I think a lot of you understand where I'm coming from, but like, Sometimes what we do is, man, we get on here and we be popping shit. You know what I'm saying? Like 49ers hadn't been looking so good for them the last couple weeks. I know me and Dominique talked about a couple other people, man. You know, we got up here and popped some shit off. So 49ers wasn't really making it happen. I guess they hurt us. I guess they hurt us. They went down to Jacksonville and blew them boys doors off, doors off, right? Remember when I was in here the other day and I was talking about how except for Trevor Lawrence, all the class of 2021 quarterbacks are bad. Trevor Lawrence apparently don't like to stand by himself. He wanted to be down with the rest of the cats, man. He was out there looking like cheeks. 100% like Cheeks, Brock Purdy. Um, I'll be honest, in the times that I was watching that game, I never saw the 49ers parts where they had the ball. I would just turn over to it, and it was Trevor Lawrence getting mobbed, right? Looking like looking like he was getting robbed. And that would be all I see. I don't know, Brock Purdy. I'm assuming that he played well. The numbers give the indication that he must have played well. Sean, did you happen to see any of the Purdy man? Because I didn't see it. I only saw his throw to Kittle, that long touchdown, but I think you're right. This is the ideal game for Brock Purdy where he is uh, hidden in the background in a big 49ers win, and everyone's like, yeah, I guess he's good again. Mm but what if what if the whole problem with the 49ers lately all these questions we had all this stuff we was talking about what if the only problem was they was just tired they they just needed a mental health week they just needed to rest up some dudes need to hit that cold tub you know what i'm saying they just need to post up a little that was all it was they didn't need no more like when they are good they seem excellent you know what i mean like they seem like a, a guaranteed Super Bowl team. Yes. Like, I think that's probably the best way that we could put it with them. I, and I, I don't think it's, it's wrong in saying this. When they look good, they look better than everybody else. Like even including Kansas City, if Kansas City had the offense operating on all cylinders and all of that. And that's because as good as the Kansas City defense is, the 49ers got a defense where it just looked like it hurt. You know what I mean? Like the dudes they got out there and what they do, it it just looks like it hurts. Like I remember, and this is obviously a different regime, but the Harbaugh era of the 49ers, that first year. So I think they had a bye uh, for the first round, for the wild card round of the playoffs. And who you call them? The Saints played them in the second round. And if we're being honest here, at least if I'm being honest, I can't speak for the rest of y'all. I had not watched the San Francisco 49ers play a game up until that point. Because you know how it is when a team starts the season and you don't think they're going to be good and then it takes a while for them to prove it. And then after that, they prove it. But you got games to watch for different reasons. And I just hadn't gotten around to the 49ers at that point. I didn't think it was going to be relevant. And then I watched that game and I just remember, I think it was Dante Whitner um, hitting Pierre Thomas as he crossed the goal line. And it was just so very clear that that man had been knocked unconscious. Like, dropped the ball, fell straight down, man. It looked like something out of Looney Tunes. And I was like, oh, my God, this looks like it hurts. That whole game and for the rest of that era of the 49ers, I was like, oh, 
it hurts to play against them. I would want no parts of any of this. They like they hit like they commit penalties a lot. Like that that that's just what they seem like. They had it like that. This team already felt like that, and then they went and got Chase Young. And by the way, shout out to whoever it was in my Twitter mentions. They made the point that. They traded a three for Chase Young, but if they lose him in free agency, they get a three back, so it's kind of the same or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, okay, great. Either way, I'm still surprised they did it. Bottom line, these dudes, when they rolling, look great. What they're going to be, I think, honestly, is what we've always known that they're going to be is, can you get through however many rounds of the postseason that you need to with that dude at quarterback? That was what the issue was with Jimmy Garoppolo. And they got through like three and change of them, right? And then, you know, pop, that's your dude. And then you got to figure out what it is. But this dude did can. Like I say, I didn't get to see them that much with the ball. But I know what 11 yards an attempt is, and that's good. Sean, you sound like you got something for me. I, I, I don't. I just want to say that about their defense and how they hit really hard. There is a uh, fun comment here. Bosa, Young, Armstead, Warner, Greenlaw, they all hit hard. And I, want, I wanted to bring it back on the um, Trevor Lawrence aspect and someone saying, as a third-year quarterback, how can he? how is he still looking this mediocre? I mean, but this happens from time to time, right? Like, I mean, quarterback, unlike any other position, when a dude's having a bad game, I think that this is a little bit different than a lot of other positions. And you forget this. Like, if the running back's having a bad game, you just don't give him the ball no more. That's not really how it goes. And if your quarterback's having a bad game and y'all losing – then you just got to keep throwing them the ball. Like, I mean, you, I mean, you got to throw the ball. Like, like, that's the only thing you have. But I don't, what I do think about Trevor Lawrence is, Trevor Lawrence is not as good as we thought he would be. Right? Like, as much as people set him up to be the next great, we're not there yet. Right? But do I think that he's just flat out mid? Uh, we went through this with Dominique the other day on the podcast, Sean. We counted half the league won a different quarterback. He is not at the bottom of the list of T of quarterbacks that their teams want somebody different from. Like, all right, so I'm going to look at this just looking at the AFC. How many quarterbacks would you just say right now, absolutely, I take him over Trevor Lawrence? You would probably say that about Josh Allen, all right? But I can see the argument on the other side. I wouldn't say that about Tua. Um, I think Lamar Jackson is better than him, but I also just watched the Ravens blow another game they shouldn't blow, but we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, Joe Burrow, I'd take him over uh, Trevor Lawrence. But then I look at the rest of the conference, and other than Patrick Mahomes, I guess Herbert, I don't have... He's a, I think, for right now to be a third-year quarterback really good. What's wild to me about that question, Sean, and you tell me what you think about this, where somebody's saying, how is he this mid in his third year like he's 30? Yeah, he's still super young. And you had a great tweet earlier in this weekend about mid being changed the term mid being considered bad when mid is just average yeah mid is perfectly serviceable it's just it just ain't that loud you know what i mean like it'll get the job done maybe you wish you had something a little bit better but you're not gonna be worse off for the experience it ain't gonna make your head hurt right like mid is just it's it's there it's cool it works. If everything else is going right and somebody break out some mid, you're like, oh, hell yeah, man, let's do that. And everybody's going to be better after the fact. The problem is if you had a bad day and you need that mid to pick you up, yeah, 
might not get you there, right? Might not be that. So, like, maybe Trevor Lawrence is mid, and mid is not, like, the worst thing that you could possibly say about him. I do think, though, that overall with quarterbacks, our expectations is that they're going to get this thing cracking so quick. You know, that's like what everybody requires now, and I think the the rookie salary game kind of requires this out of people. But the thought is you're going to be better in year two, and then in year three, you're going to make that giant leap. Go look at what Peyton Manning looked like in year four. Like, really, you get a chance, you go look up what happened with Peyton Manning in year four. Because if I am not mistaken, year four is the year of the Jim Mora playoffs. That's the year of that press conference. And that happened, and this is what gets lost in that. The whole playoffs thing came after he gave Peyton Manning the blues because playing Peyton Manning was playing like cheeks. Cheeks, I tell you, cheeks. And if I recall, he was also fairly cheeky the year after that, too. Like, this is kind of how it goes. It's easier to play quarterback now than it was back then. But the idea that Trevor Lawrence isn't playing well in year three, that means he's done. Not necessarily. That's part of why I'm careful about what I say about Justin Fields and a lot of these other guys from that class of 2021. Because this doesn't mean they're going to be bad forever, but they some of them are bad right now. I don't think Trevor Lawrence quite qualifies as bad, but I don't think we're not dealing with what I would consider to be a great quarterback as of now. Also, again, to be fair to him, Sean, not sure how much of that game you saw, but I'm not sure what X-Man you think you was putting back there against what San Francisco was doing in that game. Yeah, exactly. Like we we mentioned the defense earlier and, you know, you can credit Trevor Lawrence for taking a big L, but that defense really makes it a, a nightmarish day for any quarterback. Yeah, now you put just about anybody out there and they'd have been looking like that Tommy DeVito guy. Hey, right fast. I didn't even think about this earlier. Sean, I don't know if you saw this, man, but they say Tommy DeVito still live with his mama. (laughs) I did see that. And honestly, I wasn't surprised being from North Jersey. That seems like a common trope uh, for people with the last name DeVito. Okay, so this is what I want to say about him winning, right? Okay. Excuse me, winning. What I'm talking about living with his mom. Okay. That could be winning. (sighs) I'm too old to think that you're living by winning by living with your mom. I'm just not. I'm just not. I'm just not there. But at the same time, knowing the tenuous nature of like the world that he lives in, all this, I actually think him living with his mother is a very responsible idea. It's a very responsible idea, number one, because that boy probably ain't going to have that job for very long. And number two, I always feel like you wind up spending a lot of extra money as a low-level football player, kind of because you have to. Like, you can't just go live at the apartment complexes everybody else live at. You know, like, he's not that big a guy, but, like, the big dudes in particular, you can't just go get a Honda Civic because you're trying to save some bread. You know what I mean? Like, you can't. Those things ain't options, right? So yeah, live with your mom. That's cool. I see it. I get it. You get to lay low. All of that stuff. Where he got me was where he was like, yeah, I live with my mom. She still makes up my bed. And I was like, she still do what? That is unacceptable. That, that's, 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 the line. that's the line crossing. That's where I was. She still make up my bed. That's number one. And number two, like we're all living the lives we live, right? I don't know exactly what his get down is. I don't know the game that he, I, I don't know, right? And for all I know, to be honest, he might have like an, a, a basement apartment. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like you got your own spot. It's just at your parents' spot. But I do think that if I were him recognizing the mortality of a football career, okay? 
the mileage I can get out of, hey, baby, I play for the Giants, is not compatible with living with my mom. Uh, now, who knows? It's the future. Y'all be doing all kind of wild shit at your mama's house. Me personally. Uh, there's a great question, which I think extends to your point you just made uh, from B. Hughes 93. Does he live with his mom or does his mom live with him? No, it sounds like he lives with his mom. That's that's he's at the he a Jersey dude. Like, again, there's a lot of it that I understand. I don't know if you saw, but Diana Rossini said that, like, that story was why she didn't get married until she was 37. <laughs> I didn't fu- I didn't have the full all interpretation of everything that went into that. But I did think that it was pretty funny. But, yeah, they were they they were in that game trying to make this Tommy DeVito thing so charming in every way. And I'm just like, let me tell you who don't find this story to be charming. Say Quad Barkley. He doesn't think that this story is charming at all. Saquon Barkley wished they would put that boy out of his mama's house so he would have to get better. Like, just so he understood how high the stakes were. Nobody else would feel that way. But I'm like, he actually got out here in front of people and was like, yeah, I still live with my mom. I wouldn't tell nobody I still live with my mama at that age. I'm sorry. Like, I mean, no, this is, there's a generational thing now about people wanting to stay with their mamas. Like, that's, that's the new bag, man. People are okay with living with their moms. And I got to be honest with you. It was a source of great shame. There was an era of the internet where people were talking about how in American society, we have this ridiculous idea about moving out of your house with your parents when you can save so much money staying with your parents. And I'm just going to throw this out here. If you need extra money so that you can move out of your parents' house, have you thought about selling weed? Because at least where I, as from where I come from, I got more respect for the dude selling weed than the dude living with his mama when he's 25. There's a difference when you're able to hustle for yourself. No matter what the hustle is, I think it builds That's a right. bit extra character and allows That's you to right. be uh, you know, a, a contributing member to society. There we go. Now, as I said, though, Tommy DeVito was cheeks, and I'm not really trying to ridicule him for it because like, it's cool that he got to play in a game. You know what I'm saying? Like the the third string quarterback is very often just a local mascot. Somebody for whatever reason, like I almost feel like they get the third string dude out there and he and he can only play if he sells enough raffle tickets. You know what I mean? Like like how that goes in school sometimes where you got to go sell the raffle tickets. Like I went to a boxing match once here and the whole undercard was all people um, of various ethnicities from New York City and it was very clear that in order for them to fight on that card they had to sell their tickets so when the Albanian dude got out there fighting all the Albanians was up there cheering for him you know like it, it was that kind of thing like the audience was largely made up of people who came to see undercard dudes and maybe that's what it was with Tommy DeVito it was like look man you can play but you got to sell 20 tickets every week if you don't sell those 20 tickets we'll find somebody else who can watch we will Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. 
Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. But anyway, speaking of quarterbacks that look like cheeks, I'm a little uh, torn on how I feel about what happened with the Ravens and the Browns. I mean, torn in this sense. The, the Browns won the game. The Ravens would be undefeated if it wasn't for the Ravens. Like, they got three losses that just don't make any sense. The Browns make sense more than the other two because the Browns are actually a halfway decent football team. But if you watch the way that game ended, it didn't make no sense. And the Browns mixed it, missed an extra point late. That, you know, would have saved the day for Baltimore, but they just stay giving up games that they shouldn't give up, man. But I turned on that game, and this is why I didn't see that much of uh, Brock Purdy, because I watched mostly this game. I turned on that game at halftime, and at halftime, the Ravens were up, uh, it was like 17 to 9, and Deshaun Watson, I'm pretty sure, was 6 for 20. He had just gone in that blue tent again. This time, they said it was about an ankle. And I have not talked about the nasty man all year long. The reason I have not talked about the nasty man all year long is that he hasn't played particularly well, but there's also been that weird thing with this shoulder injury that um, apparently is evading the x-rays and nobody can really tell what it is, but he hasn't been playing well at all. I saw people questioning whether or not he was actually hurt. I'm staying out of that because I have no idea, but I understand why they had the questions. He has, like, he looked bad last year. He looked bad this year before, um, he looked bad this year before whatever injury thing might have been going on. They threw P.J. Walker out there, and now the most unexpected thing is happening with the Cleveland Browns, which is they are 6-3 and three in spite of, of the quarterback, they gave $250 million guarantee or $230 million guarantee. Whatever it was, it ain't because of him. And I don't know what to make of that. Now, I understand that a lot of you will see this and say, well, Watson killed it in the second half. And by the numbers, he did. Like, he was 6 for 20 the last time I had looked up and seen what his numbers were. And then I look up at the end of the game and he, what? 20 for 34 that would imply 14 straight completions but I don't think that's true because I just went through the play by play just to get a look at what all the passes were because Sean again I'm watching this game and Deshaun Watson is completing all these passes but at no point am I looking at it thinking like I'm watching somebody who's doing a good job right let me tell you the word that I saw for every completion in the play by play listing for Deshaun Watson except for two and the word was short short pass left short pass right short pass middle All of them were short. They seem to be calling plays like you call plays for, say, Tommy DeVito. I'm not exaggerating. Like, they were, you know what it looks like. You saw this with Kyle Shanahan at various points in the Jimmy Garoppolo era. You know what it looks like when they don't think the quarterback's any good. And that's how the Browns are treating him. And and because the Browns defense is so good this season, above on a higher tier, do you think that's enough for the Browns if Deshaun Watson is only throwing short passes? No, you can't win like that. You absolutely cannot win like this. And see, look, this is obviously a tricky thing for this franchise, but it's going to be hell on him. Say, it's going to be hell on him. If it turns out that their problem 
Like what stops them from being a legitimate Super Bowl contender is him. The problem is your 200. Ooh, baby, you go have hell to pay. Hell to pay. It would be worse for him if that's the case than it would be if they missed the playoffs because of him. He might be the ceiling on them being a really, really, really good somewhere between there and great team. It might be. That's a bad look. I want the one last thing out here right fast uh, before we move on. This CJ Stroud thing is getting gas, dog. You, you see it is? It's really getting gas. The MVP talks have started. Um, he has blown past Offensive Rookie of the Year conversation and is now a full-fledged MVP candidate. All right, I would ask people to chill out just because these things change up here and there. They flip back and forth. I don't know exactly how that's going to go for him. I don't. I, I, I feel like we overreact to a degree when we go there. However, I'll make the point. If you are a quarterback wins person, that was against Joe Burrow and them. And I want you to hear, and this is something I really hadn't thought about till I looked at the box score for this game. I just want you to hear right fast who it is that C.J. Stroud's out here throwing the ball to. Noah Brown, Dalton Schultz, Tank Dell, John Mechie, Robert Woods, Devin Singletary, Mike Boone, and Xavier Hutchinson. That is who um, was targeted for passes. Not all of them caught passes, but that is who was targeted on all these passes in the course of this game. I got to be honest with you, Sean. I'm not that familiar with a few of these guys. Noah Brown, I've heard of, but not that familiar. And Robert Woods, who has passed his prime, you know, former Ram, yes. and he was playing hurt as well. So, you know, you have half a receiver in Robert Woods and Tank Dell, this rookie who, you know, I know Mina Kimes tweets about him a ton. But, you know, like you said, he's not throwing to any household names. Yeah, first of all, man, wide receivers ain't supposed to be named Tank. But anyway, hashtag he's still in the league for Robert Woods. Like, no, no, no. This is a thing that's going on down there. And I would once again like to make a point about C.J. Stroud. He is the only quarterback I'd ever heard of who was criticized for not running enough when he could drop back and pass. I had never heard that happen before. It happened with him. Uh, I know me and it also made a point, Sean, about a Stroud where he's got the best grasp on like when to go hard and when to go home. Like he, he gets when to do this, when to do that. Like this, this is, I wonder when the Texans made the decision to trade that pick in order to get Will Anderson. Which I would just like to make this note again. It's not looking like the worst trade you've ever seen. And it's not looking like the worst trade you've ever seen because the Texans pick isn't going to be that good. Okay. Did they know or did they just look up? Like what Stroud is? Did they expect this when they made that trade? I don't know. But hey, man, they doing it and they might mess around. Ain't they in that sorry division? Is them the Titans, the Colts? And the Jaguars, not much competition in that division for yeah. CJ on the Texans. Yeah, I got to say, so what they can't be. All right, so they're one game behind the Jaguars. They have a better they have a better point to Dude, they might win that. They 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 and I ain't gonna lie. If they if they if 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 they win that division and Jacksonville does it, yeah, we all gonna have to talk about Trevor Lawrence being mid. Not because I believe in quarterback wins, but because y'all believe in quarterback wins. So we're going to have to talk about it. All right. So an unfortunate day. Well, kind of an unfortunate day. But I don't know if you guys heard this, but the world's highest paid Jimbo lost his job. 
Now, he's going to get to keep his money. I'm pretty sure he's the world's highest paid Jimbo. Sean, do you feel confident about that? A thousand percent. I would bet my entire life savings that he's the highest paid Jimbo imaginable. Yeah, he's got to be the highest paid Jimbo that's out there. One of the things about coaching, and I don't know how many more cats they make it with names like Jimbo and stuff, but one of the things I love about coaching, you can still make $10 million a year, whatever it is, being named Jimbo. But Texas A&M went ahead and fired Jimbo. And I want to point something out about them firing Jimbo right fast. Mississippi State also fired their coach who has had the job for all of 11 games. He apparently was the interim last year. And then they decided, oh, yeah, this guy, yeah, this guy was the interim coach. Oh, sorry. Rest in peace, Mike Leach. But after Mike Leach passed away, they made this dude the choke coach. So it was never the plan for him to be the coach. But you got to fire him right now. And the reason you have to fire him right now is part of why you got to fire Jimbo right now. And it's that stupid early signing day that they insisted upon. Like once they put the early signing day in place for college football, if you're going to fire your coach at the end of the season, you got to fire him now. Because you've got to go out there and build a recruiting class, or you could like, you could be out here playing dirty pool and like get the guys on letters of intent and then get them out of there, but you can't do that. So this is that time of year where the teams don't feel like they're getting it and they make these moves. The one with Jimbo obviously jumps off the page because they have zillions and zillions and zillions of dollars left that they have to pay Jimbo Fish. Now, Sean, we talked about this on the first episode after I came back. I tried to tell people that Jimbo was out here sounding like downtown Julie Brown to somebody else from 1991 hoping for peace in the Middle East. And he was hoping that it would be peace in the Middle East because the discord in the Middle East throwing up all that uncertainty. And when that uncertainty came up, so did them oil prices. And them oil prices went to the point where they're like, yeah, we can afford to do this. And so they went out there and got Jameis out of there. Sean, I need you to put this up here right fast. That thing with Jameis Winston. This is a wild number for those of you, you know, those of you who know they gave Jimbo that ridiculous contract. Jimbo Fisher will get paid more to not coach Texas A&M than Jameis Winston, who was the number one overall pick, has gotten paid in his entire career. But you know how Jimbo got all that money, right? Jimbo got all that money because they some Aggies. That's how he got all that money. And I understand Some of you guys are not from Texas. Those of you who are from Texas understand exactly what I'm talking about. He got that money because they some Aggies and the Aggies don't understand that they the Aggies. One thing at this point, we got enough history in college football where we kind of know who everybody is and what everybody is about. My good buddy Joel from Missouri City always makes a great point. There's always somebody that thinks that one day Rutgers going to figure out how to get this thing going in college football. And Joel is like, well, they only been trying to figure it out since the first game ever played. Like most of these schools are what they are without some fundamental shift. So Oregon, for example, became a different school at a point once that Phil Knight Nike money really started coming in. Like they became different. Um, Oklahoma State, when they really started getting that uh, boom Pickens money, it went different. But in the end, they still fundamentally the same. Like Miami and Florida State and Florida, they turned to different schools once somebody got the bright idea like, hey, it's a lot of fast black people in this state. Maybe we should recruit them. Whoa, what do you think, guys? You think that'll work? And then it worked and they became good. But like something has to change. I saw somebody make the argument that Texas A&M needs to try to get the coach at Oregon. And I'm like, you can't be dumb enough to think that Dan Lanning would leave that job to go work at Texas A&M. And they're like, why wouldn't he do that? Oh, it's very simple. Oregon, every coach that's had the Oregon job for roughly the last 50 years has left it better off than he got there. 
right? The programs, maybe not, I'm not saying the program is better, but that person, Rich Brooks, turned it into the NFL, right? Mike Bellotti, when he left the job, he left, he became the athletic director, but they remember him fondly, right? The only guy they fired was that dude they brought up after Chip Kelly, but in the end, it worked out better for him. Wasn't nobody ever going to hire him. I know that because I don't remember his name. I just know Mark Helprick. I think that sounds about it, right? But good things happen for you having the Oregon job. Texas A&M has fired every coach it has had since Bear Bryant left in 1957. And before you say to me, well, not all of them got fired. Emory Ballard resigned whatever year that was. They started the year four. No, they lost two games in an embarrassing fashion and he quit. You do that so people can't fire you. Jackie Sherrill, he resigned of his own accord because the NCAA was about to shut that bad boy down. Every coach that they have had since black and white TV has gotten fired. Every single one, right? You don't go take that job. I got a buddy who was looking at taking a job at one point, and his biggest reason that he didn't take it is a college coaching job. And, and it's basketball, but still, the biggest reason he didn't take it, he was like, everybody who's ever had this job has gotten fired. I'm not doing this. Texas A&M is that job. And no matter what, and it's going to go this way because they keep thinking, we got all these resources. We got all these things. We should be better. And if we just get the right person in here, we are going to be better. And I'm just saying, after you got all these people in here and it didn't get better, maybe it just ain't going to get better. Like sometimes you got to look around and recognize, are you an eight-win school? Because they are eight-win school. Here's why I say they an eight-win school. They were an eight-win school in the Big 12 and an eight-win school in the SEC. You could put them in District 27-6A in Texas high school football, and they'll win eight games. You put them in the damn NFC South, they might win eight games. It just feel like no matter where they are, no matter what it is, you put Texas A&M there, they go win eight games. They are an eight-win school that always thinks that they somebody else, and they're not. And so they had this time where they looked up and they were like, hey, there's a national championship winning coach that might be available. That was Jimbo Fisher. Never mind that at the time, Florida State was just hoping Jimbo would get out of there because they was booty and he had just got a little bit tired of working there no more. Texas A&M is like, yo, national championship winning coach. I think that we could pull that off. And as we know, don't nothing get people more hopped up and ready to make a change to having a black dude in charge. And to be clear, it was time for him to go. Like, I'm not saying they shouldn't have fired Kevin Sumlin. I'm just saying Kevin Sumlin being there probably made them spend more money on Jimbo than they needed to. I don't feel like it was such a long line there that they had to give him a 10-year, zillion-dollar guarantee contract for a coach that was on the verge of getting run out of Florida State. What are them schools you think you're supposed to be better than? Okay. He come over there, they give him all the money, all prices was high. And so they rolled it out with the oil prices. Then the oil prices high again, and they're getting them out of there. And at some point, the oil prices are going to be super high, and they're going to back up the truck in front of somebody else. And you know why they're going to back up the truck in front of somebody else? They're going to back up the truck in front of somebody else because rich people got more money than they have ever had before. Have you been paying attention to this, right? Like, I don't know if you guys see this. If every now and then you, like, go on your news app or whatever, and you look up, like, somebody bought some ridiculous house. They'll keep sending you stories about these houses. I see more stories about $100 million townhouse, $100 million this, $50 million this, $75 million that. Everywhere you look, people buying these houses at all these crazy prices. And it's something that we saw during the pandemic, which was these rich people got more money to blow on stuff than they ever have. 
And a lot of people came up on that crypto money. Now, I don't know how many of them were smart enough to bail on that, but a lot of them just got that class of people got more money to burn than ever. And more than ever, they are getting involved in this booster class of college sports. And they're getting in here looking at something like Jimbo Fisher. That buyout would have had people at a different point in time. Like, damn, I just be going. I guess we just go have Jimbo Fisher. Sorry, ass for another seven years. Nope. They got so much money around these programs. Now they have to pay out 20 percent of his buyout within 30 days. Like they got to come up with like 15 million dollars of that within 30 days. And they like, yeah, whatever. Program stuck in neutral. We got to keep it going. Like, ain't nobody's contract at these bigger schools going to be so big that they can't get fired. And that's what happened to Jimbo. Now, right fast, because we got things to sell. My man Stephen A. Smith threw it out there, and he said that Texas A&M should hire Deion Sanders. And my only question about that is, I thought you said Deion was your friend. I mean, I don't know if they're friends, friends, but if you care about Deion, all money ain't good money, baby. No. No, 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 no. You don't want no parts of that. Because let me tell you, I don't feel like that place ain't going to be so excited about them gold chains and we coming and all of that stuff. Those motherfuckers in them overalls do what they with, with the swag surf. I don't know what they call a swag surf, but you know, where they a swag, a surf, except they're not doing it to that song. Go, go look up the Yale leader. Go look up it. The, the first press conference that D.I. said is where they tell him about the Yale leader. Those are cheerleaders over there. That's the cheerleaders? No, no, no. That's not, that's not going to go well. I'm just telling you right now. It's not a good job for Dion, but don't you worry. I understand they did hire Kevin Sumlin, but I'm telling you right now, they'd hire Colonel Sanders before they hired Dion Sanders. Somebody asked me which Colonel Sanders would they hire before Dion Sanders. They were like, what do you think? Reba McIntyre, George Hamilton? I said, no. The Colonel Sanders that's been dead for 50 years. That's the Colonel Sanders they would hire before they hired Dion Sanders. And I know they got some good recruiting classes and everything else. I'm just telling you right now, man, those of us from Texas understand why it's never going to happen for them. And every Somebody always like, no, no, they got this. They got that. They got all that. They've had all that stuff forever. And they've been Texas A&M at every point since that has happened. I've had people make an argument to me about this on Twitter. And they try to say, oh, man, you didn't even go to Texas. Dude, this isn't about me used to root for Texas. I'm off that narcotic, but I did used to do that. It ain't even about that. It's about me growing up in Texas, man. I went to a maroon and white high school. Our fights, our fight saw was the Aggie wore him. I know what y'all about. There's a reason I didn't go there. There's the reason y'all can't never win. It's weird, man. It's just weird. Prize picks is the most fun you can have by winning up to 25 times your money this football season. And now you can play during basketball season too. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats and place your entry. And with the NBA back, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make our picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. And if you stick around for the end of the show, you'll get to hear some picks from producer Sean that can either help you win or make you fail miserably. So make sure you go to prizepicks.com slash Bomani and use code Bomani for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash Bomani. Prize picks, 
Daily fantasy sports made easy. Today's video is sponsored by SeatGeek. If you're like me and love seeing your favorite artists in concert, you got to use SeatGeek. With over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including concerts, sports, festivals, and more. With the NFL and NBA seasons in full swing, SeatGeek has your tickets to every game. Being a New Yorker, I have the opportunity to watch the Knicks at MSG or the Nets at Barclays Center. Every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee, and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. And you know I came through for you, so you use my code BOMANI for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code BOMANI. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. Hey, man, I just want to throw something out here right fast to y'all uh, people in the chat room on YouTube seem to appreciate the college football talk. I'm telling y'all, you would be stunned how many people work in like the media industry and just don't think black people consume college football at all. Like all the years I worked at some other places and we tell people like, yo, man, I want to do something involved with college football. And the response would be, wow, I didn't know Bomani liked college football. Why would I not? It is football. I am something. Oh, oh. Ooh, it's that thing it's the wildest thing but anyway you know we can make that happen from time to time but uh first sean let's uh see what's going on with the world of news we know you can't be on top of all the news and information of the day no need for the social media feeds we got you now if you haven't heard all right today's first if you hadn't heard is about politics hi i'm will yakowitz and i'm a staff writer at forbes magazine the 2024 presidential election is going to be a dogfight, and I just wrote a piece about how weed could help pick the next president of the United States. Lobbyists, pollsters, and politicians are saying that Biden should double down on his support of cannabis legalization. A majority of Americans now support legal marijuana, and it could be the issue that convinces young voters to support the oldest man ever to run for the White House. Congressman Blumenauer from Oregon told me that he's been telling the Biden administration that cannabis reform is key to his success, while lobbyist Nathan Daschle says he can't think of another issue that's such a slam dunk politically. In fact, Daschle says one thing the Biden administration should be afraid of is Trump stealing the issue out from under them. With Ruby Red Ohio voting to legalize adult-use cannabis this week, it looks like pot isn't for losers. It's for winners. Wow, that was an interesting turn of phrase there. Sean, it is so wild that this is like, Joe Biden don't never seem older to me than when it comes around to talk about stuff like weed. Just hearing that made me hear the like, get off my lawn kind of like voice in my head because I'm like, <laughs> you're, you're now picking up the weed conversation in 2023? I'm so amazed. I think this is the part that amazes me. Nobody cares. Like, you're just not going to find the people for me in this country that I've seen that actually care. Because I told you, when that weed went legal here in New York, let me tell you what I learned. A lot more people smoke weed in New York City than I realized, boy. You stand outside of any office. It's, it's, it smells one way at 459. At 5 o'clock at a second, you just hear a collective 
That's that you know that sound I'm talking about when that light is snap. The, it's the Lil Wayne intro. Yes, exactly. It just rolls all the way across New York City. Dog, ain't nobody tripping on this. Like I just who's the person that's be like, yo, I was gonna vote for Joe Biden, but then he started talking about that weed and then I was out of it. No, 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 that's not gonna happen. The only thing that is gonna happen is you're just gonna find out who smokes weed that you did not realize. That that's that's the game that's gonna change. Like everybody's gonna look up and just look at each other and be like, well, why didn't you tell me? We could have been smoking together years ago. And isn't there a concern that if Joe Biden did smoke weed, that something terrible could happen to him at his age? <laughs> or maybe he needs it. I mean, Joe Biden started smoking weed and now he ain't got to have the uh, the font on his phone turned all the way up to 189. <laughs> Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Joe Biden got to read your text message. Joe Biden got to read your text message one letter at a time. <laughs> I guess he probably don't have no cell phone but security reasons. But I bet they got to like, I I try to be careful about this because I hope to get old and like I've got parents who have gotten older. And so there's, you know, like you, you develop an empathy, you know, for the things that go on around and everything else. But at the same time, Joe Biden get up on TV every day and I would love to know what that teleprompter looked like. That teleprompter got to be the size of a billboard. <laughs> My F-E-L-L-O-W-A-M-E-O. -L -L -E My fellow Americans. I mean, how else he supposed to do it? Like, I don't know how you supposed to be, but you that old, you got to take in all the letters, but also be sharp enough to read them as words? That's pretty impressive in and of itself. That's all I'm saying, man. He might be doing better than y'all give him credit for. What we got next? All right, we got a next one on uh, the fight returning to office. Hi, I'm Ed Zitron and I'm a discourse contributor at Business Insider. The return to office battle is getting messy, with major corporations demanding a return to the office without any meaningful proof. Even Amazon, a $1.3 trillion empire built on tracking and evaluating data, doesn't seem to have any to back up their decision. When asked in a company meeting, a senior vice president said that he had no data either way on whether being in the office was more productive. One might wonder why a company with data on hundreds of millions of people and their decisions is struggling so much to justify the return to the office. It's because the data supporting the move is threadbare, relying mostly on a few studies that use sample sets of questionable data to back up their claims that remote work is less productive. One study cited by the New York Times and hundreds of other outlets is a working paper from 2021 from researchers at the National Bureau of Economic Research claiming that workers were 18% less productive than their in-person counterparts. The media, of course, left out the fact that this paper, which wasn't peer-reviewed, used entry-level data workers in India who were recruited specifically for the study as a proxy for all employees in all industries all around the world. The reality is that the academics behind these studies and the bosses using them to push for a return to the office each have the same problem. They're entirely disconnected from production. Managers and executives make calls based on perception rather than the hands-on experience or data you need to make the right ones. The modern CEO has become a figurehead, reaping the rewards of a work process they don't meaningfully participate in. So they make the choices based on macroeconomic conditions, their own biases, or evidently, a single 45-minute meeting that left them feeling good. Real management takes responsibility and makes thoughtful decisions based on what makes a company stronger. The return to office move is the exact opposite, an unproductive push for control that erodes that already tenuous loyalty that workers have to their employers all while failing to address core problems of managerial competency that only get worse as decent employees flee these dim-witted demands. Wow. I mean, 
hey, look, if you don't need to go to your job to do the job, then you shouldn't necessarily have to go to your job. I don't like I kind of miss going to the office, but my office was cool. Like Magic Johnson would walk in there every now and did. You know what I'm saying? Like, like for me, it's like, cool. Okay, it's your chance to see people. He's doing a TV show for HBO. I dug it. But I got to say, man, these people, look, you ain't you ain't got the argument. They're not going to be able to sell people on this. And everybody knows it. Like this, it, it, it's over. I just, they just feel like, look, man, we paying for this stuff. So y'all going to have to come here. Like this whole, you can work from home thing. It's bad for the real estate sector, which could be bad for the overall economy. That's all that come down to. There was a part in 2020 or it was very clear to me when they was like, yo, you need to come back to work. They ain't really care if you came back to the office, but they would have appreciated it if you would have gone to that Jimmy John's right there that you used to go to for lunch every day because don't nobody live over here in Midtown East. Therefore, this Jimmy John's about to be out of here. Like, there's a whole economy around this. The amount of lunch spots that I used to frequent in the area that are now no longer in business because of the lack of just foot traffic. Yeah. I go down where I used to work and it looked like a whole nother place, man, because the only reason people was doing that is because they was going to work and now they're not going to work. That to me is the only explanation for what this whole push is, because on one level, it's like, cool, cut your commercial footprint. You don't have to spend all this money. But there's somebody in the game that's like, but you do need to spend all this money. Please, we'd, we'd, we'd appreciate it greatly. And as someone who is currently in the office and to the uh, in my employers who are listening, I love coming into the office. And I'll get right to the next no, but one. Like, but I feel like, though, with this kind of work, though, like if there was a way for you to do it from home, you would. Right. Like there's there are jobs where it's better for people to be around each other, but it ain't all of them. And I, I do like your point of it, when you have friends and a community in your office, it it, it heightens going to work. It, it gives you the draw of wanting to go yeah. to work. But if you don't have that, why come in if, like you said, you can get your work done at your own time from home? Yeah, yeah. Like when we did the TV show for HBO, for example, there was a lot of you need to be at work. Like we needed to be around each other. Like there's a certain form of collaboration where it becomes necessary. But that ain't most people's jobs. Simple as that. All right. Next one is on filmmakers and the use of AI. Hi, my name is Brian Contreras, and I'm a tech reporter with the Los Angeles Times who writes about the artificial intelligence industry and its many impacts on society. I recently published a story after I attended a film festival for independent uh, and hobbyist filmmakers who used artificial intelligence to make short films. This came sort of at the tail end of the sag after strike, which found the screen actors in Hollywood going on strike over, among other things, concerns about AI. And a few weeks after, a different strike by the Screenwriters Guild also protested uh, and stopped their labor over AI-related concerns. It was really interesting to hear from these independent filmmakers at the film fest I wrote about who saw AI not as a thing that's going to get them to lose their jobs, but as a way to level the playing field between them and the big Hollywood studios. You know, they have so much less money and time and human resources that in order to make movies that fit their creative vision, they see the AI as a necessary tool for sort of opening those doors. Anyhow, you can check the piece out on the LA Times website or in print, but I think it really illustrates how the entertainment industry is still figuring out where this technology is headed and what it means for the employees who make the wheels turn of this massive machine. Yo, I gotta say that raised like an interesting thought that I myself hadn't really considered about this is like there's reason to be terrified of this with the big studios because all they're gonna do is just try to put, the, you know, just try to put little people, not employ people, right? But these people doing the same thing. They just don't operate at the same scale to where it's that worrisome. And I get it. They look at themselves as, look, I'm the little engine that could. I'm trying to make this happen, so forth and so on. Therefore, I'm going to use these tools. 
However, it's still somebody they could be hiring that they not, right? So it gets us to where you talk about the small business owner. That's still capitalism, baby. They they still people operating in that space. Is it like as morally objectionable when they do it as when the big people do it and why not? I think that raises like an interesting question. I'd also say the other thing, man, the issue with AI is not that it's not that it's intrinsically bad, but that people aren't intrinsically good. Like there are all these wonderful things that could be done with it. But I mean, that's not going to change the fact that it's ultimately going to become the tool of our own oppression. And I know the SAG after strike and the you know writer strike finally ended. And that was the big, big ticket item uh, in the union meetings was the use of AI and actors being kicked out of jobs. And, you know, it's not for your Denzel Washington's, or your George Clooney's. Like you said, it's for the little man who I read a story that um, Actors came in for Disney without any idea of what they were coming in for. They got their whole body shot, taking the cameras and all of that. And then they ended up seeing themselves as extras in this movie that they never got paid for. Yeah, see, that's the problem there is not AI. You just stealing. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, I don't want to blame. That's not a problem of technology. That's a people problem. The technology brings out the worst to the people. But that's a people problem. All right, your voicemail prompt for this week was football quitting stories. Um, and as someone who didn't play football, Sean, 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 you school, knew, man. Sean, you knew, man. You knew, man. We got to talk about this in a way that people know it. Why you quit yes. football? Don't just don't just read that little note you put down on the rundown. <laughs> Why you quit football? Come on, man. All right, let's get to the first one. Hey, Bo, calling from Virginia, and I was in the eighth grade. My high school was eight to twelve, and I went out for the JV team. Everybody made the team, but it was August. It was hot. The uniform stank. I put all this stuff on to go out there to play JV football, and then the coach is yelling at you constantly and cussing you out. That was my last year playing JV football. I didn't learn the playbook. I barely went to practice. I didn't get into one game. Actually, I did get into one game. And the clock wasn't working, so the refs kept time on the field I ran into the game we were getting blown out and I got into the huddle I didn't know the play and we was walking to the to the line I was on the offensive line he blew the whistle said the game was over never got in the game that was my last year playing organized football I played soccer the rest of the way thanks Bo glad you're back yeah, I'm glad I'm back too, but I'm trying to figure out, just judging from your voice and your age, what the hell school you went to that had a football and a soccer team, my brother? Like, like school I went to, if you quit the football team, wasn't no soccer. Like, they might have some soccer now, but wasn't no soccer. I'm amazed that he had the uh, ability to go and play some soccer. But damn, he went out there. It's probably better for you. You went out there and then they ended the game. Probably better for you because then you ain't get hit by nobody. Definitely a good sign. All right, we got one more. Oh, wow. Hold up. My old high school does have a soccer team now. That's how I know they don't blow it up since I left. And that was that wasn't a thing, right? To have it was rare for certain states to have both of those sports at the same time. Right. Just giving funds. And in Texas, soccer was primarily a club thing. Um, And I mean, yeah, my school is a lot bigger than it used to be. But I am stunned to look up at the at their uh, what you call it their uh in their ig page for soccer and they they got a thing going all right i'll play the next one real quick all right bro so i quit football in college actually i made it to the d2 level 
and my sophomore year, I remember they switched me around a bunch of positions, but they stuck me at DN, position I never played before. I'm like eighth on the roster, last man. Through summer, I eventually worked my way to starting, right? First game, break my ribs. Now, boy, I'm light-skinned, right? So I got to prove I'm tough. So I played two weeks with broken ribs until the pain really is excruciating, and I think I'm going to die. So I go to the hospital, and they're like, hey, look, you got multiple fractured ribs. You know, you're done. You can sit out for the next four or five months. You got you shouldn't be hit. But, again, so I'm an idiot. I come back after, like, five weeks. First game I come back and play in is a blowout. I get in, I get in at the end of the game. I make some plays. Also, I fractured my, my finger during that game, too. Anyways, next week, so I'm, I'm energized. We're playing a top 25 team. I'm excited. Have a great week of practice. Coach saying, hey, you're going to get a lot of snaps on Saturday. Get to Saturday. I get one snap. Well, after the game, was already excited that we've lost. I get the wrong call, make the wrong make the wrong move. I don't play for the rest of the season. I remember after that game, I was like, fuck this. I'm quitting. I'm done. And I rode out the rest of the season, quit football, and went on and became a regular student at a different school. Let me tell you something. I enjoy being a regular student a whole lot better. Peace. I broke my ribs, but I had to show them I was tough. I don't. I don't. I don't. Sean, we got our good folks at Prize Picks. Do we have some picks for the people? We certainly do. It's time for Sean's pick. I do not take part in the world of picks, but I'm just react to Sean's picks. So, Sean, what are your picks? I will be going with the Monday Night Football games. It is a tough matchup, Bills versus Broncos, but let's have some fun thanks to Price Picks. I'm going with Josh Allen, more than 31 and a half rush yards. Stephon Diggs, less than 87 and a half receiving yards. And Russell Wilson, less than 213 pass yards. Let me know what you think, Bo. All I knew was that whatever it was for Russell Wilson, it better be less. It's always got to be less. I was leaning under. I was leaning under. Whatever it was for him, I was leaning under. All right, that's pick one. We got another one? Those are my three combined. And it, oh, got uh, it. Yeah, yeah. Prize picks makes it easy. I can easily place my entry on the app. And, you know, you can join with the code, promo code Bomani. There we go. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. How people learn, how we figure this out, doing it in live time. Because I was like, oh, he's got more picks. Oh, those are all the same pick. Got it, got it, got it. So those are your three. So check them out at Prize Pick. See if you can get that done. And ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. We do this three times a week. That is Sean Yu. He handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Also remember, our voicemail line is 323-596-7767. Hit us up with anything you want to talk about. And when we got a prompt, we'll send that out to you. Uh, also, thanks to our If You Haven't Heard contributors. Thanks to Will Yakowitz of Forbes. Check out his story on why Biden needs we in 2024 thanks to ed zitron uh check out his story about um about the return to office fight at businessinsider.com and thanks to brian Contreras at the la times check out his story about filmmakers using ai with no shame at latimes.com remember subscribe to the right time click it like it subscribe it all that Follow the right time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Take it easy.